You're listening to the Physio School Podcast, your guide to becoming a physiotherapist. In this episode, we sit down with Marcus Payne, who is a recent graduate of the physiotherapy program at Dalhousie University. During our discussion, we dive into why Marcus chose to attend Dal, his motivations for becoming a physiotherapist, some of his work and volunteer experience, a brief overview of Dal's PT program, his experience in the program, and finally, Marcus provides some application tips for anyone who hopes to apply to Dal PT in the future. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, future physios, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Physio School Podcast your guide to becoming a physiotherapist. Today, I'm joined with my grade A co-host, Mr. Cash Mahdi. Cash, how's it going today? Life's good. How's everything, Anthony? Long time no talk. I know, man. It's 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 been good, but we've, we've been having some dif- uh, technical difficulties setting up this podcast. So yeah. it, could, it could definitely be better, but you know, we're, we're, we're on the road now, so it's all good. Yeah, but we got a great guest today, so we'll make up for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for this. So as, as you guys know from uh, previous episodes, by now we've done interviews with uh, a student or graduate from almost every PT school in Canada. But at this point, we've neglected to venture out to the East Coast to learn a little bit about Dalhousie University PT school student experience. So fortunately, that all ends today as we'd like to introduce our newest guest, who's a recent Dal PT graduate, a fisherman and a previous NCAA hockey player, Mr. Marcus Payne. Marcus, how's it going today, man? It's going pretty good. How about yourself? It's good, man. We're, we're excited to hear a little bit about your story, hear a little bit about uh, your Dal PT student experience and, and everything else that comes with that. So thanks thanks for coming on. No problem. Excited to get started. Yeah, man. So first start off just telling us a little bit about yourself, You know, your name, your age, where you're from, all that, all that good stuff, and then we'll uh, jump right into the conversation. All right. So yeah, my name is Mark Spain, as uh, Anthony introduced myself. I'm 27. Um, grew up in a little rural fishing town of about 500 people uh, off the coast of Newfoundland in Fogo Island. Um, now currently living in St. John, New Brunswick. But uh, as we get going, you'll find that I've kind of lived everywhere. Um, and yeah, I went to Westfield State University for my undergraduate degree. Amazing. Love it. Awesome. Now, we know a little bit about each other from before, so I know you have a really wild ride to get to physio school. You've done everything. I call you the most interested man in the world because you've done everything in life. But why don't we start off by just uh, hearing about why you chose Dal PT for PT school? So growing up on the East Coast, and anyone who knows an East Coaster, we like to stay close to home. So after I graduated down in the United States, I decided I wanted to come back to Canada and back near my family and friends. So uh, Dalhousie, of course, being the only school on the East Coast, I went and applied to Dalhousie University. And it is the only school I applied to. I was not leaving the East Coast, just you know. (laughs) And uh, Dal also offers a program, the dual master's program of both the PT program, but also the rehabilitation program. At the time, that's what I thought I wanted to do. I didn't want to do it, but they offer you two masters in three years. So both of those are really the key reasons I applied to Dalhousie. Awesome. Amazing, man. And before you started off uh, at, at Dal, 
you know, what experience did you have prior to PT school? Like kind of maybe dive into like those non-PT and PT related experiences and kind of what you did to fulfill those, that, that 40 hour requirement that Dow has. So yeah, um, kind of took a, a long way around, but as you said before, I played NCAA hockey United States. That was kind of one of my big things and why physio seems to be such a big part of my background is the hockey part, being a student athlete. Um, I was a fisherman, I raked seaweed. A lot of people don't think of raking seaweed as being a fisherman, but according to the government, it is. So I raked seaweed here in New Brunswick. Uh, from a PT perspective, uh, I actually wanted to go to med school in the beginning. So I started shadowing and working with a physician uh, in the emergency department in Westfield, Massachusetts, at which when I started working with him, he explained to me that he worked with Springfield Falcons of the American Hockey League, so Florida Panthers farm team. So I got to shadow him with the hockey team there and the athletic therapist, which was cool. Got to see the game, the operations, which really led back to this. And uh, I shadowed at a private practice down in Westfield at Vantage Sports and Rehab. And I was also a strength and conditioning coach in Newfoundland at a private gym. So all of those working with athletes, getting to see the game, the operations all drew me to the field of physio from a PT perspective, um, non-PT, as I said, fisherman, NCAA hockey, and I did a lot of research, uh, some research in cancer, actually. So looking at brain cancer and the effects of ketogenic diet. Yeah. Nice. Did When you were, uh, just curious, when you were a hockey player, did you have any like injuries yourself that you had to rehab with a physio or anything like that? Because I know, obviously, you know, there's there's a lot of contact in, in that sport. So yeah, I'm so, sure maybe you picked up some. <laughs> oh, lots of those. Um, yeah, I broke my hand. That was a pretty extensive recovery being casted. Uh, broke my foot, another big one. But the real one that like kind of nagged and it seemed to be putting me in the, the gym with the athletic therapist or with the physical therapist three days a week was a sh uh, shoulder injury. And that keeps nagging me to this day. But that was the real big one that I just had a lot of run-ins with the physiotherapist. And kind of that rapport we built built back and forth. I felt like on like other healthcare professionals, I got that quality time. They, they spend like an hour with you in your initial assessment and 30 minutes of treatment as opposed to other providers. I, it was shorter duration. So I really built that relationship with them that helped me get back on the ice. And you mentioned before that you wanted to go to med school initially. So what changed? What made you want to then go to physio school instead? So while well, I applied to med school, I got waitlisted. So at the same time, I was debating what I wanted to do. And like I said, I played hockey in college. I really enjoyed that. But at the same time, I was working at a gym in Newfoundland. And I was training a lot of hockey players. And a lot of them would come back with nagging injuries. But they would ask us, like, can you help with these injuries and do exercises? But... Although I got to rehab those injuries, uh, I knew there was more to be learned from my perspective because I had my kin degree and I had a few friends that were physio at the time. So I was talking to them and kind of got to understand from their perspective how I could treat injuries, uh, which was very much of an interest to me. So really that one-on-one -on -one time. And I also got to uh, volunteer in a nursing home and really the empathy and the impact on lives you can have of even an elderly individuals that really stuck with me so uh yeah i applied to physio school and here we are here we are nice <laughs> and as well you you came from a u.s school was the application process different for you since you came from an american school to come back to canada so the application was very similar 
I, I feel like all the same things. I just found I had a big difficulty with the GPA uh, and credential um, transfers. So when I brought over my degree from the United States, I had to submit it. So first off, if you're a U.S. graduate and you want to apply to Canada, get started a little early because it will take time. Uh, they're going to want you to send the syllabus of every course you applied to or every course you did. You have to send the syllabus. Uh, they're going to look through that syllabus, make sure the course meets the requirements, especially if there's specific courses. can't remember off the top of my head. There's some sciences and like some anatomy courses that are a requirement of Dell that you have to have. So they'll make sure that they transfer over. And the GPA was different. Uh, in the United States, it was 4.0 versus Dalhousie, it was 4.3. So they'll make sure that they correspond. Um, so yeah, you got to make sure that all your transcripts line up, all the courses are equivalent, and that they the GPA transfers over to the Canadian scale. Gotcha. All right, now let's fast forward to going to PT school. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, program, give us a little bit of brief overview about the PT program at Dal. Let us know about how the semesters are organized, about some of your placements and anything else you want to add. So yeah, um, had a great experience at Dal. The class is about approximately 60 students. I think it's 62 is what they shoot for, but in that ballpark is 60. Uh, the way the program starts off is in the first semester, so September to December. Basically, it used to be blocks, but in my cohort, it was changed. So now you do a lot of the theory, and they break MSK into three components and cardio resp into two components. So the first semester is theory, cardio resp one, MSK one. After Christmas, uh, it goes MSK two, cardio resp two. After that, we went into a placement, so a six-week placement. Um, and then after that, you go back for MSK three, which is just one course for four weeks. Then fall of year two, it's neuro and like the neuroanatomy and a couple other courses. After Christmas, we did two six week placements. Then we went back and did integrative practice um, one and two. And then after that, two placements. But with our cohort, they had, especially with COVID, they had difficulty getting placements. So because of that, in the last three, there's three six week blocks, but you have to fulfill two. So some people graduated at different times than others. Uh, but the program was initially supposed to be two years. And because of that, it extended to, well, instead of September graduating, we just graduated in December. So two years So was it because of COVID that you guys did so much coursework early on because they had difficulty finding placements during that period? Or is that how it's going to be moving forward? Because you said it changed for your cohort. Um, I'm not really sure, but I've talked to a few in a new class. They're following a very similar uh, outlook to us. But I think they also might have been affected because of our three blocks and two placements. I think they theirs got to change a little bit. So it looks like they're going to be the same as us. Going forward, I'm not really sure the program's plan, but yeah. Gotcha. Did, with such a small class size, I know COVID might have like affected this as well, but did you find it was like a like a tight-knit like group and, and community that formed? Or did, did COVID kind of uh, affect that as well? Uh, definitely affected that in the beginning, especially yeah. with the lockdowns and stuff. So that was one of the, I guess, the most challenging aspects of COVID is that almost all of our courses were online and we only did six hours, you know, six or eight hours a week of lab times. And they were divided into like mornings and afternoons because the, instead of labs being all 62 in the past, it was six to eight. So it was great that you got six to eight individual students to one instructor but at the same time, we only got six hours in a lab. So that really affected how 
much time we spend in, in class, but also because of that, we we only met say five to six people at a time. So we didn't really have a close group in the first year, but as the program went on and things started to open up, the class started to kind of get closer, but it was definitely a challenge in the beginning, especially not knowing people when I went into the program. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's difficult to like meet and intermingle, especially with like a heavy, like online component as well attached to that. So yeah, I can, I can see that definitely being a, a difficult, uh, difficult time in the beginning. Um, and was there any like research component that you guys had as well that you had to? Yeah. So after year one, so it was toward the end of year one and in the year two, it was like a year long or two semesters anyway, was a research project that you had three to four students per group to one uh, research advisor. In my case, there was two, but mostly there was one. And at the end of that eight month to 12 month period, we all had to present our research findings to uh, like a community board as well as some individuals from the program. Gotcha. And, and what was the project that uh, you specifically worked on? If you want so to we actually it. looked at the effects of uh, COVID-19 on mental and physical health. And we tried to find research that looked at exercise programs to help combat the physical and mental effects of COVID-19. And as you can imagine, the research wasn't the greatest. So we did it on, uh, we basically did a system, not a systematic review, but. Um, scoping. Yeah, scoping review essentially just kind of cast a broad net, never really funnel it down and just found out what was out there. And the next steps would be a systematic review for someone else on the road. Yeah. Gotcha. Nice. And then just one other question about the program specifically. Maybe you know, maybe you don't, but how many people were from out of province? Because um, I know like they have specific seats that are designated to that, but like just based on like, you know, what you remember, like was it? primarily like East coast, uh, people in the program and just like, you know, a few people here and there that were from other provinces or what, what was yeah, kind of the so dynamic? Essentially the way it happened, I think the, a lot of it is like 10 seats outside of Atlantic Canada. I think it's something like that. Uh, yeah. you know, our cohort was actually only a few, I'd say three, four, maybe, but I think that was specifically like it was put in place because of COVID-19 and shutdown of borders and all those impacts. Cause like in the past, for example, you could apply for clinical placements outside of Atlantic Canada. If you wanted to go to Ontario, BC, or you could go overseas in our class, we didn't have that option. So because of that, there was uh, mainly East coasters, I would say almost all of us except three or four. Gotcha. Makes sense. Cool, man. Um, a question we had about the application as well. So Dell, they, they require two, uh, standard academic letters of reference. And, you know, a lot of PT hopefuls are kind of anxious about getting these, these letters of reference, you know, like talking to a prof, especially if you go to like a bigger university is a bit more challenging. So can you kind of guide us through how you went about getting those reference letters and, you know, you don't have to mention names or anything like that, but maybe like their title and, and that, that whole process for you. So, Yeah. Honestly, I knew I, at some point in my future, I wanted to go on to graduate school. So within that first year, I was kind of thinking right away, who do I want to be my supervisor or my references? Sorry. So basically right out the gate, I kind of just tried to figure out so the first year. I kind of took a feel for my classes and seeing what kind of supervisor or uh, professors that I might be interested in using as a reference. 
in the first year, just kind of seeked out who it might be. Uh, as the years went on, I kind of knew who taught which classes. So I tried to take more than one classes with these professors. So that's kind of what I did. I would say kind of just try and think of who you want to be a reference in the future. Luckily for me, it was a small class size. My class were like 20 to 40 people. So I kind of tried to either book appointments to go over course material with professors or after class, just have a chat with them. And I'd also kind of just tell them a little outside about me. I wouldn't tell them too much, of course, but I'd say like a couple hobbies I have or say I played on the hockey team or I would say I'm volunteering at the hospital, kind of those things so that when they go to write that reference letter, they're not saying academically, this is what they did. They have a well-rounded idea and they can just throw in those extra couple of things. So I always tried to look for a volunteer experience I had, a hobby I had, and something that showed some kind of leadership. Those were the three. And if perseverance or discipline could be added in there, I did. So try and drop kind of what you want them to talk a bit about you. That was kind of my approach. Uh, so my two people that I chose, one was my professor for upper extremity and lower extremity evaluation of injuries. Uh, did some research for him. He also was the uh, student athlete educational supervisor. So for the hockey team, he basically was the liaison between the sports side and the education side. So he could really talk about the hockey side because he knew me on and off the ice as well as in the classroom. And I also chose my research supervisor that I did the cancer research for uh, ketogenic diet, which I also had teach me three biology classes. So right from the get-go, I knew taking upper extremity eval with the first professor and bio one with the other professor that now I was going to take lower extremity and I was going to take the bio two as well as the research project with that individual. So I kind of made sure it was always those same supervisors. So I had could tailor toward them also drop in those things I wanted them to talk about. And I kind of just followed it forward year after year through my undergraduate degree. And that's who I chose. That's, that's awesome, man. I think that's a great blueprint because, you know, a lot of people just think they just got to go ask, Hey, write this reference letter for me. And they get, you know, kind of like a, a template with, with just their name on it. But like, you've, you really made it curated to you based on like developing those relationships over a long period of time. Also, but as you said there, I would kind of, while you have them as a professor, so year three, I did my undergraduate degree in three years. So in that last year, before the course even ended, I said, would you be willing to be a reference for me in the future? That way they know you're going to ask them and they can also have an idea of what they might talk about. Instead of dropping on them, because I asked actually the week of the deadline of the application. So they only had seven days, but they already had lots of information about me. They knew it was coming. They were ready for it. So I would say if you know them enough, to drop in that you want them to be a supervisor or a reference in the future, then it's a good idea to let them know that it's a future possibility. That's way um, more strategic than I ever planned when I was trying to apply to physio school. <laughs> I guess I, what I should have done is after a lecture and I go talk to them, I say, oh, I got to run. I got to go to the orphanage and volunteer. <laughs> be right back. Just throw in some tidbits in there. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, <laughs> well, you successfully got into Dal PT. So why don't you give us some tips about some things that people should include or things that they can write about in their personal statements? So I'll kind of 
go about how I approach my personal statement. So it is a very daunting task. The first piece of advice, and it may seem very straightforward, is just get started. It, it seems overwhelming at first, but just put anything you can think of on paper. So what I did is I just kind of put a blank piece of paper and I said, what are my best attributes? And I listed all of them. Underneath each one, no idea what I was going with. I said, what is one thing I can write that exemplifies that attribute about me? After I had this paper, I think there was about 15 to 20 different attributes that I thought could be a possibility with a little blurb underneath. Next, find someone that you know, that knows you well, and say, what are my best attributes? If someone else sees it in you, then the chances are it is your best attributes. So then I had 15 to 20. Now I'm down to five to seven. There, I picked three. You want, because it's very, it's only a snippet of you but you don't want it to be overwhelmingly long because they have lots of applications. Keep it short and sweet. I pick my three best, but you also tell it like a story. So I kind of started from rural town to big university and I kind of <laughs> just followed a story. So I compare it to the funnel approach. So kind of keep it broad, but specific enough that they can imagine who you would be and make sure it's very explicit what attributes each story tells. That was kind of how I approached it. I didn't say this is Dalhousie University and this is what they might want. I said, how could they get the best picture of who I am as a candidate? And if that's not the candidate they want, I'm not going to basically fall into what they want. They can have this person I am or not. <laughs> so I kind of just tailored it towards myself. I'm just going awesome to snip this clip. And and, yeah. and send it send it to anybody who uh, who asks in the future because that that's because Dow like the first time I saw their personal statement I was like I, I don't even know where I would go with this because it just kind of says broadly like provide a personal statement right whereas like some of the other schools like they give a bit more guidance right like UBC has like this long form and it's like describe you know this experience and like what it what you learn from it right like Queens has like three specific questions that you just have to answer whereas like Dal is just like, okay, here's this box, fill it in something about you, right? Something about why you want to be a physio baby. So that's, yeah. that's great guidance for, I would also people. say if you want, if someone wants to go with that direction of kind of the outline, make sure that you know, your library, um, person that like edits things and go find them. Hey, this is what I got. Does it make sense? Does it follow a good pattern? If not, do you have advice? I had a very good uh, relationship with the person who edited my papers from the, the university library. Uh, and they gave me great feedback. Cause like you say, a lot of people, this will be the first personal statement they will write. And sometimes it can seem overwhelming. Where do I go with this? But these people have seen numerous personal statements. So by using them as a guide, they can help you very funnel in on what you're looking for in that personal statement. Because like I said, they've seen many applications. Yeah. So third party analysis is definitely something that we always uh we always echo as well. Just because like it's difficult to write about yourself at like to start. And then like once you start reading it, you know, maybe you do start to like it, but maybe it's not hitting on some of those points that um would be, you know, beneficial for your personal statement and would like exemplify you in a, you know 500 words to the committee so 
I definitely agree with that. And every word's got to have a meaning. If you only got 500 words, if every word doesn't have a meaning, but I found the biggest help. And I would say about getting someone to look at it is, does it flow? That's the hardest part I found about writing the personal statement is the flow and they can help with that, which is very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, they read so many of these, like if it's, if it's difficult to read, they're trying to like figure out what you're trying to say. Like, you know, say they're on their, their 15th one that they're reading that day. They're just going to be like, ah, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing here. Right. So that's great advice. Um, before I ask the next question, I want to just go back to the, uh, reference letters. Cause I know Dow, they, uh, give you an option to provide like an additional reference letter on top of the two academic ones. I wanted to ask, did you do that? And two, is there any benefit to that? Cause we get that question a lot from, from PT, uh, applicants at Dell. So I didn't. And full disclosure, the reason I didn't is because I applied a week before the deadline okay. and I didn't know who I would go to in a week's notice and get a good reference letter from, except the ones that I've asked for reference letters from in the past that I had tailored. Personally, here's my advice to anyone who's applying. If you want to use that third one, I would pick a work experience. The reason being is chances are a lot of people is going to use a research advisor they're going to use a professor or someone from the academic community or physiotherapy community. Mm-hmm. Everyone has those. If you want to set yourself apart, I'm not sure if it makes a difference, but that is a whole new attribute about you in a work experience, work ethic, time management. Are you punctual? All those things that they can talk about that an academic professor might not. So if you're going to, I would choose a work experience and make sure it's, one that you had a good work relationship with i don't know if it makes a difference but that's what i would do if i was to pick a third reference yeah i like that shows a bit more well-roundedness too solid man and then just on that point any other tips just in general for applying to the program we kind of talked about the you know personal statement reference letters you know there's also the casper interviews lots lots of other components do you have any other tips that you would lend to the future generation i think if i guess the only other thing i would say is if you want to apply to a program and this isn't just now this is any program in canada seek out someone who's been there and like these these podcasts are great it gives you an idea of what you're looking at but it's just the questions that were asked if you want to know more seek out someone who's went to that school and just ask them their perspective get to know more ask more questions what's the worst they say no just reach out, meet with people, get to know more about your program, and then make your decision. But I don't have any other advice than that. Just get to know the program and get to know the people around you. I love it. Awesome. And is that something you did prior to entering Dell? I did. You didn't know anyone. Oh, you did. Yeah, okay. no, I, knew, I knew a few people from the East Coast that I grew up with that I reached out to. And I just asked some general questions. I didn't ask anything in too detailed, but more so what's your experience? What's the class size like? How is classes structured? What do you do on your downtime in Halifax? Those kinds of things. And just get to know more about the program in general. And I think most physios would be open to having those discussions as well. They were in that spot before, so they know how it feels like. So they'll be happy to share. So it's Absolutely. not as intimidating, I think, as people might believe it might be. Absolutely. Yeah. Never hurts to reach out. And most people are more than willing to help for sure. Perfect. Now, going back to your experience in the program, uh, maybe touch on 
uh, some other aspects of the program that you didn't speak on yet, maybe some placements that you went through, uh, some of the classes that you enjoyed in the program, and maybe some things that you want to add that you didn't already touch on. So yeah, I'll start with the placement side of things. So my first placement was here in St. John. Uh, it was at one of the smaller hospitals in the city called St. Joseph's Hospital. And I did an inpatient orthopedic placement, predominantly hips and knees replacements. Um, but also there was some restorative care. So people with like gamma nails and hip that are older individuals and those kinds of things. My second placement was private practice in St. Stephen of Brunswick at Bone Physiotherapy, which was a great placement. It was my only private placement actually, but I got to, to learn a lot about how private practice works and kind of see all those different injuries and how different people treat different injuries. Cause actually, although I only had one supervisor there, it was a great clinic because they were very collaborative. So they helped. Uh, they would share me if someone had something interesting, they would be like, Hey, do you want to come over and see this patient this time? So I found that was very good. Uh, my third placement was at the hospital I now work at, the St. John Regional Hospital on the cardiorespiratory floor. So basically, TAVIs, T virus, um, coronary arteries, bypass grafts, those kinds of surgeries. So post op surgery. Um, my next placement was at the Dr. Edward Chalmers Hospital in Fredericton, New Brunswick, which was the neural rehabilitation floor. So basically after the stroke, they came off the acute unit and now they're doing rehabilitation. And my last placement was back where it all started at St. Joseph's Hospital and it was uh, integrated practice on the geriatric floor. Um, so I did geriatrics and uh, I shared a little bit with restorative care. So yeah, those are all my placements that I had. What was your other question about Roman? Sorry. <laughs> any other advice you have or anything else you want to add about the program, but maybe we can stick to the placements a little bit. Uh, you, you mentioned a bunch of different placements that were very far from each other and far from campus. So how do you go about getting accommodations for these places? Is that up to the student that they have to find their own accommodations? Yeah, it is. Um, a lot of people. And unfortunately, this is a drawback from Dell that I would say compared to a lot of other schools in Canada is Dell covers a big geographical location. So we go to school in Halifax, almost everyone has an apartment in Halifax or lives in Halifax, but you could get placed in Newfoundland, get placed in Prince Edward Island, anywhere else in Nova Scotia other than Halifax or New Brunswick. So yes, when you go on placement, there is no, you have to find your own accommodations. There is no like stipend or anything for placements and locations. Some hospitals might provide a, a like a discounted rate at say if they have an apartment in the town. So that is one of the drawbacks. Personally for me, I have a house here in New Brunswick. So I tried to get all my placements within like a two hour drive and I drove to all placements. So like Fredericton was an hour and a half away, St. Stephen's an hour and a half away. So that was three hours of driving every day. I just made the commute. I wanted to be home at night. So I did that. And yes, I still have my apartment in Halifax, but I mean, a lot of people just get apartment in the locations, but not I. <laughs> How do they go about getting apartment? Do they have to essentially just go on Kijiji or whatever site and figure it out themselves? There are yeah. no list that they have. The school doesn't have a list of potential accommodations. No, um, and I never really looked into it. I would assume if you had questions, you would reach out to your supervisor and be like, can you help me? Is there anywhere in town? But no, you're in charge of finding your own placements. Yeah. And were a lot of the placements in rural areas or were they closer to city centers where it would be easier to find accommodations? Um, I would say it's a mix. Kind of with Dow, because of COVID, they had difficulty getting some placements. 
So mm-hmm. with that came a bit of a, a mixed bag. It was rural. There was urban. Um, but yeah, it really depended. But there was definitely a, quite a few rural placements. So I wouldn't say it was like predominantly urban. Wow. Gotcha. Well, another question I usually like to ask too, I know you're saying, I think it was your third placement was the cardio rest one. How, how was that like starting out? Cause I know like cardio rest is always like that area that a lot of people don't have a lot of experience in. It's a little bit, maybe you're a little bit wide eyed when you first start, like, like what was that? What was those first couple of weeks for you? Yeah, I must say I got a little lucky that I had a very supportive and very friendly supervisor. So it was very much do as much or as little as you want for the first couple of weeks while you warm up to this setting. Um, I actually, because they all had trouble getting placements, I was at this placement with another student. So it was two students to one supervisor. So kind of the way it worked in the beginning is we went with the supervisor to see the patients. And as we went on, she kind of funneled out and we would do, if there were doubles, like so two physios would go and see the patient, then we would go together and it was one we'd split, split it up. But I would say the most daunting part about cardio rest in the beginning is all the cords and tubes and lines, those chest tubes, you got the IV poles, you got the pick and art lines, um, potentially on oxygen, catheter. So it is overwhelming at first, but after you do it a couple of times, it just becomes second nature. It's really not that daunting once you get used to it, but in the beginning, it's it's definitely a warm up phase. <laughs> hundred percent. I, I, whenever I had a student with me in the hospital, I'd always say, okay, like this interactions, probably like the actual therapy part, it's probably going to be like five minutes, right. Depending on like the acuity of the patients, but like, you're going to spend like 10 to 15, just like setting up and making sure like, you know, vitals are good. Like lines are all like on one side of the bed, nothing's pulling or tugging, like the gowns on. So I, I get you, man. It's uh, once you get used to it, it's, it's all good though. It also depends if you're in the ICU versus the floor. So yeah. that's a whole different ballgame too. And the treatment varies differently, but yeah, it's definitely a lot of organization. 100%. Yeah. No, that's sweet, man. Um, I guess outside of just like the Dow PT program, what, what's the what's the vibe and what's it like living in, in Halifax? So for me, it was a little challenging. And I'm going to speak from my perspective and my class-based perspective because it was a little different. Uh, I come from a very rural town, so Halifax was a little overwhelming to me, a bigger city, a lot more people, um, and I was working in New Brunswick, so although I was fishing in a different province, I was driving back and forth every weekend throughout the program while I was working, but I will say one thing I loved about Halifax, probably my favorite, is it's a very community-oriented city. It's very like, close-knit. Um, they have a lot of nice parks. I love the environmental side of things. Uh, lots of places to hike, run, which are a lot of my hobbies. Um, and there's bike lanes, a lot of bike lanes in the city. So that was very nice. I really like that aspect. But the larger center was more difficult for me. Now, I will say almost every person in my class absolutely loved Halifax. When it came time to apply for placements, over half the class wanted to be in Halifax. Um, and that was just out of enjoying Halifax. That wasn't just people who wanted placements back home because they could go home and it was more challenging to be in Halifax. So probably there was more that would have been in Halifax. Uh, lots of good restaurants, um, lots of place to enjoy yourself. Yeah. Overall Halifax is a nice city. It was just, I guess an adjustment for me, just coming from a small town. 
and the travel that I endured during my program. Gotcha. We got to venture out and visit one time. Yeah. That's still on hey. my list. Haven't gone yet. Same. East Coast is a beautiful place. Anthony, you been? I haven't. No, I, apparently we need the invite from Marcus. So. Yeah, Mark, we got a place to, we got to stay there. Yeah, come on. <laughs> so you're working as a physio now. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Where are you working? What area of practice are you working in right now? And what are your future plans? So currently I have two jobs. I'm full time at the St. John Regional Hospital, which is like I said, one of the places that had a placement. Um, I'm going to be like my home base is going to be the neurosurgery unit. But the way it works at the hospital I'm at is you have to cover weekends every so often. It's like three or four weekends a year. So because of that, you have to orient every floor. So my first week I oriented on uh, cardiorespiratory. Then I did an orientation week on orthopedics and then another one on general surgery. And then two weeks in the ICU. Now, starting Monday or tomorrow, I will be starting in the neurosurgery unit. So that is kind of what I'm doing in the hospital. Uh, part-time, I work at a clinic called Station Street Health here in St. John, which is private orthopedics. And I primarily just see people that are referred or come with any various conditions of all ages. Um, I don't really see any work safe in my clinic, actually, which is kind of nice. That is kind of one of those areas I liked. And that was another reason I did choose the clinic was I do like the, the private setting and self-referred individuals. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Very nice. You got a nice mix there. Doing a little bit yeah. of everything. Yeah. The, yeah. the the hospital that you're at full-time, when you started full-time there, did it just feel like you were just like another day there just picking up because like you'd already had placements there? Or did you feel like, okay, I am now an employee here. Like this is my job. Of course, you're getting paid for it now. Did, like, did it feel any different or did it just feel like another day? I, I would say kind of more like another day. And the reason being is they let me start at my first orientation week, right where I had my placement. It was a little shorter than the typical orientation week. I think I did three or four days instead of the typical five, but it was with the same supervisor I had. It was the same floor, the same staff that I've known. And then after that, I went to other floors, but during lunchtime, during my placement and those things, I interacted with the other physios. So it was almost like I already knew a lot of the staff and my wife also works at the same hospital so like i've just been integrated to that hospital so it's kind of it's kind of just like another day honestly and the clinic wasn't much different because i happened to be a friend of mine nice and sorry if i'm probing here but do you have like like do you plan on doing that like long term kind of like the the split do you have any other like plans or, or goals with physio or you're just kind of riding it out so honestly it's hard to determine right now. And I would say this is actually kind of a wide cast net to anyone who's going to physio. When you come out of school, it's perfectly okay to not know what you want to do. I came out and I was like, I kind of like public. I kind of like private, but I don't know which one I like more. And until you integrate yourself in the work side of things, I found you kind of learn a lot of different things about each that has pros and cons that you might not think about as a student. So when you start to do those specific jobs, you start to learn what you like. Um, anyone who knows me knows I love sports. So the sport side of things is of huge interest to me. Um, I want to start covering hockey. Uh, I actually have a few experiences as a student working with the AAA hockey team as like a student therapist and then with Team Nova Scotia for 
hockey tournament. So I kind of got that taste of the sports side of things, which I really enjoy and would like to do some sports coverage, which is some things that I'm working on right now for future goals. So definitely not fully sure which one I want to be in full time, but sports coverage is definitely one of my biggest goals is to be in that sports space. And how did you get some of those opportunities that you got so far in terms of the AAA coverage or some of the other sports coverage you got so far? So actually I was the representative for Dow for Sports Physio Canada and specifically the Sports uh, Physio Canada Nova Scotia branch. So through that, every year they offer uh, the Hockey Nova Scotia has a branch with the Sports Physio Canada Nova Scotia branch. So with that, there's five or six Nova Scotia hockey teams that go to a tournament every year called the Atlantic Challenge Cup. And they actually, you apply through Sports Physio Canada application with the Nova Scotia branch, and then you can go. So that was through that program, and they do take Dallas students. So that was how I got that opportunity. And the other one, actually, with the AAA hockey team, was a class eight one, who's a really good friend of mine now. He was with this team. He got an opportunity to go up to U18. This was U8, the U15 team. And he recommended me through, it was actually a physio clinic that kind of co- provides that student therapist. So when he moved up, he recommended me to cover this team and yeah, covered that team for the season. Awesome. Doing lots of great stuff out here. Yeah. I said, I promise the most interesting man in physio. (laughs) Did I not deliver Anthony? I think you did. I think you did. And uh, I I agree with a lot of things that you said here today too. And I think you provide a lot of value for anybody who's listening a hundred percent. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on that, Maybe you didn't say, or you think you're good. Um, I think the last thing I'll leave people with is if you don't know, or you want to learn more, just network, reach out to people in spaces that you want to be in and learn from them. Most people will be very open to helping and want to interact. So if there's a question you have, or you want to know more about a space, just find someone in that area where you want to be and just reach out. And have a conversation and just ask those questions. That's really all I have left to say. Love it, man. Cash, anything else from you, man? No, this was an awesome episode. Very informative. Marcus brought the pain today. He gave so <laughs> many tips from interviews. No, sorry, not the interview, but the personal statements, the reference letters. I think we got a lot of golden nuggets out of this. This was a great interview. Marcus, thank you so much for coming on the pod. You definitely killed it. Gave us so much more info than we were expecting. Anthony, got anything else before we close up? I'm good, dude. All right, awesome. Thank Thanks you again. Appreciate it. Well, if you guys want to hear more videos and, and uh, podcasts like this, definitely, definitely consider subscribing. Maybe writing us a review. Maybe a five-star review as well. That, that'd be great to help get the podcast out there. And uh, you can reach out to us on socials if you have any questions. Until then, we will see you at the next podcast. Thanks for listening to the Physio School Podcast. If you want to hear more from us, consider subscribing so that you don't miss any future episodes. And if you enjoy this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you wrote us a review so that we can continue to give you our very best. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.